You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. This space is meant to be a tool for you to feel less alone and to learn more about how to get through what you've been through and what you're probably going through. We'll hear diverse stories from women and men in the online space, experts, and people just like you and me who are feeling the effects of miscarriage and loss in real time. This is the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. For those who are new around here, I'm the doula behind TMD. I'm actually a birth and bereavement doula that focuses on pregnancy loss and grief, but that's not to say that I also don't focus on pregnancy after loss. I'm a lost mom of two angel babies. I have one earth side. I barely made it through pregnancy after loss. And I always joke that I think I blacked out the entire time. It was so hard and I wish I would have had some deeper support, which is why after he was born, I started making this like real work instead of just messaging with people on Instagram. I'm also a certified trauma support specialist, so I help women make sense of their trauma, cope with it, and be mindful of it as they move forward with their journey, whether they have a rainbow baby or not. This podcast is a space where women share their stories and we have meaningful discussions around miscarriage in general. Basically, I want to change the way the world looks at miscarriage and the way that people react to it. Because I think that just by saying the word react, we're all thinking about a time when somebody said something inappropriate and you wish they just would have been more informed. So little by little, that's what we're doing here. Before we get into the episode, I really want to share something exciting. I'll be really quick. I have launched the Miscarriage Doula Support Community through Circle Communities. For $5 a month, it is a subscription that you can cancel anytime, it, but you get so much for $5 a month. And you know if you've been here for a while that making miscarriage support accessible and affordable is what I'm looking for. So for $5 a month, you get exclusive content that is only released within these groups by me and other experts that will be invited for conversations on different topics. You can also communicate with other people going through what you're going through. It's in sections for miscarriage and grief and beyond miscarriage. So you can unsubscribe from any pregnancy posts. How cool is that? Like you don't have to see it on your feed. It's basically like a social media, Facebook group type thing, except for you choose what you see and the support that you get. There's also monthly group sessions and they're broken into two groups, one for miscarriage and grief and one for pregnancy after loss. So no matter where you are or where you feel that you need support, there's a group for you. You also have unlimited contact with me through messaging. And if you have an iPhone, you can download the Circle app and it's basically like texting each other, which is really cool. If you go to the miscarriagedoula.co slash community, you can sign up. Again, it's only $5 a month. And um, I'll also put a link in the show description. That way it's super easy for you just to click and go to it. All right. I just wanted to share that with you guys because I did just launch it this week. So I um, appreciate your feedback and support. I want to make this the perfect place for you to go when you need somebody. Let's get into the episode. This is Sarah's journey with miscarriage and life afterwards. Okay. So, um, 
I'm 35 years old. I'm from Ireland and I've been living in Switzerland since 2017. Uh, my husband and I have been together 10 years. Um, and like all couples, I guess, you know, once the relationship became serious, we had a lot of conversations about the future and for whatever reason, you know, career and this and that, we decided 32 was going to be our age where we would start trying to have a baby. So when that age came along, we had just moved to Switzerland a couple of months before. Um, and I was always really, really conscious about potential fertility issues. So when I was when I was younger, I would always have really painful periods and really irregular cycles. And at some point they told me, you know, you may have PCOS, we're not quite sure, just go on the pill. And of course, you know, when you're young, you don't really think about the future and the impact, you just go with it. So I hadn't really thought about it in years. So when we had started trying for a baby then in start of 2018, um, I was really on the ball. I had all the apps. I was really tracking my cycles even for months before we started trying because I really wanted to be on top of things and figure out my cycles and where we were in case there was an issue and all of that stuff. So we started trying and nothing happened for about six months. And I was starting to get a bit anxious because, you know, that thing from my youth had come back to my mind oh gosh maybe I have PCOS maybe there's an issue um, and so about six months in I got my period as normal I was you know really annoyed about it and trying to figure out where we were going to go from there whether we needed to see a doctor and all that stuff um, and a few days into my cycle I'd started using the ovulation tests to see when I was going to ovulate um, and it was really early in my cycle and they were positive. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Maybe they're faulty. It's too early to be ovulating. But I had positive tests a few days in a row. And so, of course, I went to the internet and the internet was like, well, sometimes if you're pregnant, you can have a positive ovulation stick. And I really didn't think it was possible. And I said, OK, I'm just going to take a pregnancy test just to check. But like, I just had a period. There's no way. And I was working from home that day and I remember I, I did the test, I left it in the bathroom and then I forgot about it because I just really didn't think it was possible. Um, and when I remembered it after a meeting or something, I was like, oh, I better go check on that. And it was a really strong, obvious positive. And I immediately was anxious, to be honest. I wasn't excited. I thought this, you know, some, something's not right. I, I really don't think the timing works out and I, I know it's possible to have bleeding in early pregnancy and everything can be okay but I just something felt off and so I made an appointment with my gynecologist and I went down and I think at this point you know I should have been about say six weeks or thereabouts so she did a scan and said she couldn't see anything and said you know I just think your dates are wrong you're probably too early come back in a couple of weeks and I think then I had been tracking so much and reading so much. I, I really felt comfortable, you know, and knowing my own body and my own cycles. And I knew I wasn't too early and I knew something was up, but regardless, we had to wait a couple of weeks to come back. And so the day I went back to my gynecologist, it was a Friday morning. And I actually was supposed to be flying home to Ireland that evening because I was going to a friend's hen party. I guess you guys call it a bachelorette party in the States. Um, and so, <laughs> so I went and even before the appointment, I actually, I, I started bleeding. And so I went down and I said, okay, I've started bleeding. She did a scan and she said, okay, it, you know, I can confirm it looks like you're passing tissue and it looks like you're having a miscarriage. And even though 
I guess from the beginning, even from the positive test, I felt things were off. I, I never felt secure in thinking it was right. It's still, you know, the first time you hear those words, it just floored me. And I, right. I remember just sitting there like, oh my God, I mean, you sort of know logically somewhere in the back of your head that miscarriages happen and they're common, but you just, it's not something you ever picture happening to you. And so we were devastated. I mean, it was a really early miscarriage, but it just, actually, it really, it really shocked me. And I know this sounds really naive now. It really shocked me how emotional I felt about it because, you know, we hadn't been at the point where we'd ever even had the pregnancy confirmed as such. We'd, we'd never had a scan where they'd seen anything. It was really early, but I just, I guess subconsciously, once you think you could be pregnant, you're making all these plans and you're daydreaming about the future. And it just, yeah, it, it really shocked me how much, how upset I got over it and how I feel like it kind of took over my mind for a couple of months, really. I was dwelling on it. I couldn't think of anything else. And so we were we were pretty floored by the whole experience. Um, but when, you know, I was starting to feel a bit better about it, I thought, okay, look, you know, I, I tried to take the positives from it. I said to myself, I, I know this is really common. This is just going to be our one sad piece of the story, but we're going to go on and it's going to be okay. And we're going to have a baby. And so we took a break for a couple of months as my doctor advised. And the first month we started trying again, I got another positive pregnancy test. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, maybe all these things you hear are true. You know, I, I, I've got pregnant once and now I'm just going to be like super fertile and this is going to be easy now from here on out. And so, yeah, I had a positive test and I was, I was really excited about it because in my head, like I said, I was like, okay, that was our one really sad but just unlucky experience. And now it's happening again and this is going to be positive and this is going to be it and we can put all that behind us. Whereas my husband, I remember, was a bit more cautious because he was like, okay, let's, you know, let's, let's see what happens. Cause he was still, I guess he had been so shocked by the, it happening the first time that he was just protecting himself a little bit. And so I had the positive test. And then I think about five or six days later, I started bleeding. Um, and I had already made the initial like early pregnancy scan appointment with my gynecologist for a few weeks later. So I kept that went down, told her, okay, it's, it's happened again, I think. And she said, okay, let's, let's have a, a look just to see, let's do a blood test to confirm. Let's check, you know, that everything has passed. Okay. If it was an early miscarriage and she thought everything looked fine. And at this point she kind of said to me, okay, you could just be really, really unlucky or there could be an issue, but let's, you know, maybe take a little bit of a longer break this time, even just for your mental health try again and we'll see what happens. But, you know, if, if this happens again, maybe we need to talk about um, a referral to a fertility specialist. So at that point, I guess I was like 50-50 most of the time, right? On days where I was positive, I was like, this is just a really crappy thing that's happened to us. And we're just gonna be those people in the statistics where for no apparent reason, it's happened a few times and it's sad, but we'll be able to get on and then the other 50% of the time, I just had this constant niggling feeling. I was like, something is wrong. This is going to keep happening. We need to figure it out. But anyway, we, we sort of pushed it aside, took a few months break, 
went on a holiday, just tried really, really not to think about it. And again, the first month trying, when we finished up our little break, about three months later, I got pregnant. Um, and it was such a different experience this time. Like, I think I literally remember both of us like <laughs> doing something really mundane, like brushing our teeth. And I was like, oh, it's positive. And us being like, oh, okay, you know, all right, let's, okay, cool. That's, is what it is. Let's wait and see. You know, there's no, you don't have any of the excitement anymore. It almost became this sort of routine thing. Um, well, it's also because you don't associate a pregnancy test being positive with bringing mm -hmm. home a baby after multiple losses. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, we just kind of looked at it and we're like, okay, cool, whatever. Let's hold out the next few days and see. Um, and I think even that day I started spotting and I started bleeding and I had what basically was like a normal period. And it's really funny the way your mind goes, because even though my gynecologist had told me, she's like, if this happens again, even if it's early, we're going to start thinking about further investigations. Um, where my head went was like, oh, but this was like so, so early. I guess this is what they would refer to as a chemical pregnancy. And maybe it doesn't count and I shouldn't go back. And then a couple of days later, I was like, no, no, don't be silly. Like, clearly mm -hmm. something is happening you should go back and you should figure out the next steps and I'm like a really data-driven person I would say so I had been you know charting all of my stuff and my symptoms and so as the week went on I was continuing to take a pregnancy test every day just to see was it you know would it turn negative you know just so I had information to tell my guy no really like kind of timelines and what had happened and what actually happened was as the week wore on, it got from a really faint line to a really, really strong line. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was a bit of a head, a head melt, as I would say. Yeah. It was just, I was like, what is going on? And again, I knew, you know, you always hear these stories, right? Of course, that people can have bleeding in pregnancy and it can turn out to be okay. So I was like, let's, let's see what happens. So I went to my gyno. She said, okay, let's do all the usual. We're going to check your HCG levels. We're going to do a scan just to make sure I can't see anything, you know, sinister or anything wrong. So she couldn't see anything. And I think that was a Monday. And she was like, come back on Friday. We'll repeat the blood test and we'll see what's happening with your HCG levels. And I said, okay. And at this stage, it sounds real clinical to talk about this way, but I guess I was so used to being in this situation. I was more focused on let's get this one done because I was fairly sure it was a loss and let's move forward with whatever I need to do to get referred to fertility, to get extra tests that I need. I just was focused on really getting through it. But a few days later, I was in work and I'd come in really, really early, like 7 a.m. before anyone because I was having a busy period and I really wanted to come in when it was quiet and get stuff done, which is not like me. I'm not a morning person, but this day, for whatever reason, I was there. Um, and I was sitting at my computer and just getting my work done, listening to music. And I started to get this really like, like a dull, achy, cramping feeling right on the lower right side of my pelvis. It was really to one side. And it started off just a little you know, it was kind of like, I guess, like period pains. And I thought, okay, this is probably just part of this miscarriage, whatever's going on in there. Um, but within a few minutes, it got really, really strong, really, really painful. And it was coming in waves. So I called my husband. And I think he sort of knew from my voice and the way I was talking about it. He was like, you know, it, you know, your body, if you think like something doesn't feel right, just 
go to the hospital I'll meet you there and I said okay so I hopped in a taxi and I went to the hospital and um, by the time I got there I was in so much pain I was like doubled over in two it was radiating all around my pelvis and all around my back but it was really focused on this one point on the right hand side and so I saw a doctor um, and he was really really nice and it was one of the times I just felt so like supported because sometimes I feel especially with I don't know with women's healthcare sometimes you can feel really dismissed and mm-hmm. you know all the experience I'd had to date while all the professionals were really really nice you, you keep hearing stuff like oh you're probably wrong your dates are wrong or oh you know bleeding can be normal or this and that and they kind of dismissed some of your concerns whereas when I went to see this doctor he said okay I'm you know majority of the time it's probably that you're having an early miscarriage and it's just taking time to process we're going to monitor you and just make sure that it's all going as it should be but at the same time I didn't have lab results from the three days previous from my gyno visit and this made this doctor really angry (laughs) so he was like calling my clinic and he was like and this is all in German because I live in Switzerland right and I I have a basic grasp of German, but I could I could hear that he was angry because he was like, <laughs> I could hear him be like, it's been three days. What do you mean you don't have the lab results? And then he was like, tell me the lab. And then he called the lab directly to get the results because he wanted to be able to compare the HCG from that day to this day, right? To really figure out what was happening. So anyway, in the end, he got the results um, and it looked like it was staying around the same. So we said, you know, sometimes it just takes a while for your HCG to decrease. And he said that day, he said, you know, in about maybe 2% of cases, it could be an indication of an ectopic. But at this point in time, I'm not worried about that. And, you know, when a doctor says that to you, you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to put that out of my mind. He's fairly confident that it's probably not that. And they're going to take good care of me and we're going to figure it out. And so I spent a week back and forth to the hospital every two days. And gosh, I think in that seven days, I had literally about 10 ultrasounds. and just a blood draw every time and in the end of it the levels were staying the same and they still could never see anything in my uterus and and the whole week they were saying I think the HCG was around 500 and something they were like it's just that it's on the low side to be able to see something visually on a scan but at the same time they wanted to keep checking in case there's any signs of internal bleeding that could indicate an ectopic and so the last day I went on day seven, when it was still saying the same, a doctor called me and said, you're going to need to come back tomorrow and we're going to do a much more in-depth, higher resolution scan. And still at this point, I hadn't been having any pain anymore. So I had really written it off in my mind. I was like, this is just unfortunately one of these things. It's, it's an early miscarriage. It's going to drag out and it's going to be really annoying and disruptive and hard to go through. But I, I still really didn't think it was going to be anything more serious. And so we went to the hospital to have the scan. And as soon as we walked in, the doctor was like, okay, um, you have a pregnancy of unknown location and I have to find it today. And that was kind of the first time someone said it in such absolute terms. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'd just been a little bit in denial that it, it might go this way. And so 
she spent a really, really long time. She did an internal ultrasound. She did the external one too. She was looking all over my abdomen in case there was any signs of fluid, like anywhere in the abdomen that could indicate bleeding. And she couldn't find anything. And she said, okay, I need to call my superior because I really think we have to figure out where this pregnancy is so we know what we need to do to move forward. And still I was like, okay, I know this sounds like it's getting serious, but surely it's not, this is not going to be the way this goes. They're going to, you know, it'll all be a mistake and it'll all be fine. And so her superior came in and again, spent a really long time just looking everywhere. And eventually she got to a point on the scan where she was sort of, she was using the internal scan. And at the same time, she was kind of trying to push down on my abdomen. She was kind of looking at this one particular spot to see, I guess, how it was moving and how it felt. And she kind of went, okay, there it is. There's the ectopic pregnancy. And I was so oh, wow. I just, I was like, what? And I just started to cry. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't think I'd get so emotional talking about it. No, this. it's totally okay. Um, and sort of, so my husband was there with me, which I'm really grateful for. Um, you know, he was in the room and because there was two doctors there, kind of as soon as she had that visual confirmation, it was like just, you could just sort of feel like the mood just sort of shifted in the room. Like the two doctors were speaking amongst each other, like really rapidly writing really detailed notes onto my file, um, trying to explain to me what the next steps were. And it was just, it was so overwhelming because even though it had only been a week, I had come to terms with the fact that I was having another one of these early losses. And I, of course I was sad, but like I said, I was trying to look forward going, okay, now I'm being taken a bit seriously and I'm going to get referred for more testing. And that's what I was focused on. But then you get this diagnosis and it's just, you just don't expect it. And I was just, I was so terrified because then I was like, okay, I'm already sad and I'm already anxious about what this means for our future. But now I'm now I'm scared of what's going to happen here. Do, do I need surgery? Are we in an emergency situation? Like what's, what's going to happen? So I saw another doctor then after the scan and she said we were going to try to treat it by taking the um, methotrexate uh, shot because it was still um, a small enough mass and, you know, they thought they could treat it that way without needing surgery. And so luckily enough for me that that did work. I had the shot. I had to come back in three times over the next week where they would monitor the levels of HCG and do scans and make sure that it was going down. And it was, so they were happy with that. So luckily I didn't have to have any surgery, which was good, but you know, it was just, I look back at that time and it's really like such a blur. And I still can't believe it happened. It was just so bizarre. It feels like it was happening to somebody else. It was just, it was just a really weird time. And I was so, sorry, go on. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, you know, I think that with, uh, you know, pregnancy loss in general, we think it'll never happen to us. And then when it does happen, it's like an out of body experience, but I Mm -hmm. can only imagine because I have not gone through a topic pregnancy or a complication like that, that that's like to a next level, because you already think you've been through the worst Mm -hmm. and you don't think it can get worse than that. And then it, you know, a topic is, is scary and it's unknown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And 
yeah, it's just like every every consultation, every time I saw a doctor from then on, like everything just felt like so serious. Whereas before, not that it's still not a bad experience, of course it is, but when it's like, I guess in their eyes, if it's a more routine miscarriage, there's no kind of urgency, right? There's no emergency. They're just going to treat you and monitor you. But then from then on, every time I saw someone, everything just felt so serious. And so, you know, you don't know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. Right. So that was that for a while. I mean, it really took a long time to get over. We were both so just shell-shocked um, and just so anxious and sad and all, all of the things. We, we just didn't know what was going to happen from that point onwards. Um, and so I went to a fertility clinic and we did all the um, the usual first basic tests and you know, even when I was at the fertility clinic, they were like, you know, while we're doing these tests and while you decide what path you want to take, you can still continue to try to get pregnant if you want. And I was kind of like, no, (laughs) I couldn't imagine even tempting fate again. And like, I don't want to have another ectopic. Like I was, I was just so scared of it. And I know you can have one and you can have a next pregnancy and it's all totally fine. But I was just so terrified. I was like, there's no way I'm trying before I have at least some kind of answers or some kind of path forward because I was just I was just too scared. Um, and so between all the tests, um, when they looked at my tubes, when I had a HSG, they saw that my right tube, the side where I had the ectopic was blocked. So that, I guess, was an explanation. And they sort of said to me, you know, it's possible that even the previous two losses could have been ectopics that resolved themselves too. This could have been a recurring issue. Um, Maybe it was only the third one where, you know, it was clinically significant enough and we had to intervene. Um, So I was like, okay. And it's, it's funny when you, you get answers and you think that's your final answer, but then it's like, it brings up more questions. So I, I really wanted to be, I really wanted to be positive and have faith thinking okay they found that's my issue that that's it they found the issue and the solution to the issue is we'll do IVF so they'll put an embryo in my tubes aren't involved and everything will be fine you know that that's really how I wanted to think but of course you know that it can only be like the tip of the iceberg you, you know you know sometimes when if you start fertility treatment it can bring up more questions and answers they can find new things and Right. So yeah, I was really anxious, but we decided to do IVF um, just because they said everything else looks fine. So let's give that a try. And I said, okay. So we did our first cycle at this stage. It was the end of 2019. So it was about nine or 10 months after the ectopic even because we delayed IVF a bit. We had a few family holidays planned and, you know, we, we just wanted to be in the right space where we could focus on the IVF and not disrupt other things so we took some time out and we did the cycle and I was actually really positive about it because in the back of my head I thought okay I have got pregnant a few times they didn't work out but I'm sure IVF is going to be the answer like this this is going to solve everything so if, if I can get pregnant on IVF everything's going to be fine And so we did our first cycle, egg collection and all that stuff went really well. I found the physical side of doing IVF, it was actually okay for me, like taking the hormones and the injections didn't bother me so much. 
of course the mental side is something totally different and it's really hard to get through but physically I felt okay and I was feeling positive and so we did our first embryo transfer in November 2019 and it didn't work and we were just again we were shell-shocked because I think we were so confident that getting pregnant wasn't my issue it's like of course that part's going to work I never thought that I was going to fail at that point you know I thought of course I'm going to get a positive test and then we're going to see from there if the issues are going to be okay and so we were just really just really down we were really just like it feels like you're in like your own world it was like we were just going through a fog it was just you know we were still seeing our friends and still obviously going to work and going out and meeting people but I just as the time wore on I was just finding myself like cancelling plans and just sitting in because I just felt like I was always putting on like a, a mask when I was out socializing and I just didn't have it in me to do it sometimes I just was so tired um but we we pushed forward I mean and I guess that's something else I want to address is that I felt like I needed a mental break. But at the same time, I felt this pressure completely from within myself where I was thinking, okay, but you're at this stage, I was 34. And you say to yourself, okay, you're not coping with this very well. And it's really difficult to get through. But how long can you delay it really before, you know, the biological clock is against you? And you start thinking I don't want to leave it too late either so I better just push through push through and keep going and it's it's a really hard one to weigh up because I mentally didn't feel good about it at all but I just sort of felt like I had to push through and keep going right which it's hard to reconcile that in your head I think because then you just feel like there's no relief and you're just it becomes your whole universe you can't think about anything else um, yeah. And I know a lot of people listening, you know, are probably nodding their heads like, oh my gosh, I feel that. And I thought that I was the only one who put that pressure on myself. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that so openly because we do put that pressure on ourselves. And whenever we try to talk about it, it's like we're aware that we're putting the pressure on ourselves, but we can't like just not do that. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Cause I even remember speaking to my husband and I was like, okay, but I just, I have, I have to do this. We have to keep going. We have to keep, we had a few frozen embryos and I was like, we just have to push through and just try them all. And he was like, but you don't have to, you, you know, he, he was saying to me, you don't have to, it's not an absolute, you can take a break. But so this wasn't coming from anywhere, but from me, I was like, no, I have to, I just have to do it. Right. So we did proceed with a second transfer a couple of months later, a frozen transfer. And this one worked I got pregnant um yeah (laughs) and (laughs) spoiler alert it it all worked out (laughs) and I have my daughter now which we are so just so unbelievably thankful and grateful and feel so lucky for um but yeah I found out I was pregnant it was right at the beginning of COVID too (laughs) so oh good gosh you can't catch a break no (laughs) and it was it's so funny because I literally, rem- well, not funny, but I remember the first visit where they confirmed the pregnancy when they were taking my HCG and I came back the next time and I was like, oh, so COVID. I think there was like a handful of cases 
here in Switzerland at that point. And I was like, do I need to worry? And they were like, nah, don't worry about it. It's fine. And within two weeks, it was like, okay, your husband can't come in anymore. And a week after that, it was like, okay, if you have any issues and you feel you need to see a doctor, come straight here. Don't go near the hospital. You don't want to be near the hospital right now. You know, it's just, it escalated so fast. It did. It really did. It was crazy. But yeah, so yeah, no, we were obviously elated. And I think when we first found out, I was like, okay, I really believed that everything was going to be fine, that my issue had obviously been the tube all along and I was going to be super happy about this pregnancy and going to have a great time. <laughs> but obviously yeah. I was an anxious wreck for the whole 40 weeks. It just did not let up. So in the first trimester, I had a lot of bleeding and spotting that they never found a reason for. They said it was possibly due to taking the progesterone pessaries. It just was an irritation thing. But some of the episodes were really quite heavy bleeding and cramping and all the rest of it. There was multiple times where I thought it was definitely going the same way where everything had gone before. Um, right. And so we got through the first trimester and every, every milestone you get to, I thought this is the point where I'm going to feel secure. So you get to 12 weeks and we had, you know, the big scan and we did the NIPT, the genetic testing and everything came back fine. And I was like, okay, I'm going to relax now. I'm going to enjoy the pregnancy. And of course it would last for like a day because you're looking at your little scan picture and you're on a high. And the next day I'd be like, okay, so when am I going to get the bad news? When is this going to change for me? And especially with COVID because my husband wasn't allowed to come into the scans. I was, every scan I went into, I mean, I was literally getting scanned every two weeks because of my history. Um, every scan I went into, I was thinking, okay, is this going to be the scan where I have to walk back outside to my husband who's waiting outside the building and tell him, you know, bad news. It was just so stressful. Yeah. Um, even the later it got on in the pregnancy, obviously I'd never got past the first trimester before, I just never felt secure in it. And I even remember like even really, really late on, like past 30 weeks and I had bought a ton of stuff because obviously you have to prepare for a baby. So we're surrounded by all the baby stuff in our apartment. And I remember having just this clear thought of like, oh, when everything goes wrong, it's going to be really hard to have to get rid of this stuff. And it wasn't if everything goes wrong, it was when. It was such a certainty in my mind. Like there was no way that we were coming home with a baby like something was gonna happen at some point and and our family were they were really really happy for us and they they'd known that we'd, we'd had the losses and we'd done IVF and they were really excited and people would keep saying to me oh, are, you, are you excited for the baby coming and I'd be like if I answer this honestly they're going to think I'm crazy but the answer was <laughs> no because I don't believe the baby is coming you know it was yeah. such a such a strange strange time and I, I yeah I never felt confident for the whole thing and even I had a scheduled c-section and the morning we were going in I was still like okay going for a c-section let's see what happens it wasn't like right. oh we're meeting the baby it's let's see what happens so yeah it was a crazy time but we're very just we feel so lucky um and so thankful because we know it doesn't not everybody's story ends this way um and we still we still carry it with us I think like even when I came home from the hospital with my daughter we 
drove well my husband drove home like so carefully and so slowly obviously um <laughs> and we got into our apartment and we shut the door and he set her down in the car seat and we both just like cried our eyes out um, yeah because we just never I, thought I did the same it. thing yeah it's we really hard thought. motherhood after loss um mm-hmm. you know seeing your baby and and actually seeing the life that you lost three times before that um mm-hmm. there's something very it's both beautiful and it hurts really really mm-hmm. bad and I think I wasn't prepared for that myself um mm-hmm. it's just it the grief doesn't really leave you like you said it, it stays with you it's just changes over time and it's uh, it's the weirdest most confusing thing even years later mm-hmm. yeah exactly like I still even she's almost six months old now and we still every so often we'll just be sitting in the living room and we'll just catch each other's eye and be like can, can you believe that she's here like it's <laughs> it's still surreal sometimes it's yeah oh I'm 14 months in with my rainbow and I'm telling you that my husband and I say that to each other all the time like can you believe that he is ours like can you believe <laughs> that he is healthy and he is here and I always thought that in pregnancy, and it sounds like this is what you were saying, you thought like once you get past the first trimester, you had never been there before. So you mm-hmm. thought that it would be all like smooth sailing and you would be so happy and the glowful pregnancy that you see everywhere, but it stays scary. And you mm-hmm. kind of always have that mindset, even when they're here to where you're just, you're so aware of how fragile life is. And mm-hmm. I think that that really that just changes your outlook yeah it really does and I feel like yeah I feel like it's changed my outlook it's just multiple things in life that you wouldn't even think it would affect your outlook on you know like obviously there's the obvious stuff we just talked about where you look at your baby and can't believe that they're here but I feel like kind of the negative parts that I'm still carrying is like in any positive situation in life I'm just I feel like I'm so much more cautious now it's like any any good news we get about anything be it like friends or family or career or whatever I feel like I always have this little bit of okay that's how it is today let's see (laughs) I'm just so cautious yeah no uh, not all changes unfortunately after miscarriage you know can be like good lessons and I think that that's a big thing we always look for the positive lessons but sometimes it makes like it, it made you more cautious and it made you more afraid that things are always going to turn bad and mm-hmm. while those aren't necessarily good emotions to feel that's what you've gotten from the trauma that you've experienced mm-hmm. and in some ways that probably you know helps you in some ways it hinders you and I think um I'm curious if you're if your husband does he feel as cautious as you do or did he kind of take a more relaxed approach once your daughter was here? I think during, during this pregnancy, he definitely was as cautious as me. Like every time we spoke to each other, we kept saying if and not when we kept, even if we, if one of us ever made a statement that was when, or, you know, anything about saying can't wait to meet the baby would be like touch wood or you know hopefully your fingers crossed like both of us were like this um and for the most part we kind of avoided talking about certainties wherever we could um I think now that she's 
here I would say I am 100% the anxious parent. <laughs> Every day she makes, you know, some kind of new noise or new movement. I'm like, what's she doing? Is she okay? And he's like, she's fine. Don't, don't stress. Everything's fine. But, you know, I think it's good in a way. I think it's kind of, you know, he's kind of the more chilled out parent and he can talk me down when I get too anxious. And then on the flip side, if I'm anxious about something, but it turns out to be not fully right, but, you know, something like, oh, I better take her to the doctor. Then it's like, okay, I'm the person that will do that. And my husband right. is the person who will calm me down and reassure me that you know everything's fine that she's amazing and she's wonderful and she's developing exactly as she should and everything's fine so I think I think he's coping better in that sense for sure I think part of me is always still like waiting for just waiting for our luck to run out or something that sounds so stupid but No, no, I totally understand that. That makes perfect sense. I think to people who have experienced loss, it's you're waiting for the the other shoe to drop all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, I asked about your husband because I was very cautious like you in pregnancy after loss. And I thought my husband and I had multiple conversations. Like I started therapy because he was really nervous about how I would be in motherhood because I was so anxious and cautious. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, if. And as soon as he was born, it just changed. And I'm the calm parent. Like I'm very (laughs) relaxed. I was fine putting him in his crib at three months. We stopped using the owlet earlier than I thought I would. And my husband, on the other hand, like panics constantly at every new noise (laughs) at like at every movement at if he like bumps his head on something which kids do as they you know start to move around he just he's like should we bring him to the hospital and I'm like no (laughs) he's totally fine and so it's so interesting how my husband was so calm and optimistic and different and then I was the anxious person and we completely switched yeah It's so interesting how the parenting, it's always one parent keeps the other one, I think, leveled out, which is a good, yeah. you know, it's a good balance in a relationship. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm so glad to have, you know, a happy ending um, of your rainbow baby at the end to give people hope that, you know, crappy things don't only just lead to crappy things. And I hope that you get that, you know, from your own story. Um, Cause sometimes it's hard to remember that just because we experience one bad thing after another, that doesn't mean that we're only going to experience bad things. And I think that's an important lesson, um, especially in trying to conceive after loss. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for having me and thank you for giving me the, the time. I don't think I've ever sat down and said it in all one go from, start to finish so thank you so much for that